Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 119. And as you could hear in the intro, we finally got it fixed to accommodate Peyton. And as you may know, um, if you're watching us live on YouTube or you hear the audio podcast, we are currently waiting on our other partner, Phil Dexter, to potentially hop in. It's been a long, stressful week with him. Just bide your time with him. But today, you are joined by myself and Peyton. Peyton, what is up? Man, it's good to be here. It's good my uh, my voice, not my voice, my name's back on the intro again. Getting ready for year five of that college basketball. I can't wait. And as far as Phil's goes, he's probably asleep. Which for years he deserves some sleep because man, he, yeah. we we pretty much worked him to the bone last week or this past week trying to get this magazine out. Um, it's been stressful, so hopefully he's getting some sleep, taking some time to rest and really some chill until the season starts in a couple weeks. Yeah, man, um, we can't think. I mean, he he put a lot of work into basically tidying up everything. Like we all did our part. We talked about in the last episode. Uh, we've spent almost four months putting this magazine together, doing the information, the research, all that good stuff that goes into it. And then it was Phil's job to basically tidy everything up and put it in the beautiful form it came out in. And when I say it's beautiful, we're talking 127 pages, wall-to-wall coverage of the best college basketball preview that you can find. And it was done by us three with some help from other partners along the way with some information on like the a10 and temple and but man what a team effort that was it came out finally on um on monday or i'm sorry on tuesday after a short delay which again we apologize everybody about that but as phil mentioned in his press release when you have three guys that are you know not with a publishing network and you're self-publishing it of course there's going to be some hiccups you don't expect but we got it ironed out. It released Tuesday morning, and the feedback is coming in has been pretty well received right now. And I could not be happier the fact that this is finally out and people are enjoying it. Yeah, and don't forget, you guys can still get your magazine out. Um, just because we've already uh, released the magazine doesn't mean we're going to stop trying to sell it and promote it. So go to Etsy.com slash shop slash ECB shop 10 and go get you a magazine. It's still $10, just still one of the best magazines college basketball wise you can get. We've had a lot of our members who bought it. Um, even people who's not really keep up with college hoops that much. So they've learned a lot already just reading through our magazine. So it's much appreciated. A lot of hard work these past four months getting this magazine ready. And like Josh said, it's 127 pages worth of research condensed in the last four months. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, and it's cool too. Uh, a couple of reviews you mentioned. Um, longtime Facebook member Stephen Decker on the Everything College Rascal Facebook group. He, he actually put a, a post yesterday. It says, love the magazine. A lot of hard work you all put into it. Love that it has all the schedules in it too of every team. None of the other magazines did that. And we really tried to go above and beyond for our listeners, our readers of the magazine. There's a lot in there, man. And I, I couldn't be more proud of it. I couldn't be more proud of how it's selling. Um, it, it's been a good week for us as a, to- as a whole. Oh, yeah. We've dubbed this week ECB week because we had a lot of stuff, a lot of cool announcements. Um, 
that we kind of alluded to a couple of last time we recorded talking about a house cleaning and stuff. Yeah. Um, got me and Josh got credential to go to a couple of Purdue games this year, which is huge. Uh, we'll talk about the games that we're going to here in a little bit, most likely. Um, I also working on other games as well. So, yeah, it's a lot of exciting stuff. It's been ECB week. And listen, college basketball starts in, what, 10 days, under two weeks, something like that? Well, uh, uh, today, as we're recording, it is uh, October 30th on a Sunday. So, eight days, actually. Eight it'll days. Be a, it'll yeah. be a week from tomorrow, first official games. Uh, we've seen exhibitions kick off. We're going to get in all that. But since you did bring up the house cleaning, we did make the major announcement this week that we are now a part of the – House Enterprise Banner, more specifically, we were with the House of College Hoops. Uh, great people over here with Will Tondo. They've been around for a decade now. They've sparked a specifically House of College Hoops, which used to be under the name of um, College Hoops Digest, has sparked many a careers in this path, including friend of the show, John Fanta, the voice of the Big East basketball and Fox Sports. Um, he started with College Hoops Digest. Uh, this year, they've rebranded to kind of go back in with the whole house theme. They're now the House College Hoops, which now ECB is officially under the umbrella of. And what a big monumental thing for us to be under a network. We are now partners with the former uh, Big East Coast Bias, now rebranded themselves Road to the Garden. Used to be with SB Nation. Huge deal. Got to kind of know these guys over the last week. They'll become guests on the show here as the season progresses, making friends with them. Along with a couple other college basketball-related entities, we're all working together to chase this dream. And I couldn't be more excited to be in business with a great group of like-minded individuals. Hey, ECB now under the House uh, House Enterprise, specifically House of College Troops umbrella, big ass deal. Yeah, man. Uh, when we, when myself and Josh talked to Will um, about a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, whenever it was. Um, we had a really good conversation about a lot of things and what our plans for on this partnership. And really, if people, I know Kyle Bauman asked about it in the Facebook group, is ECB going to change? Is the name going to change? And don't, guys, don't worry about that. Everything college basketball, ECB is still going to stay the same. Only difference is, is we're just moving to their platform being basically under their umbrella, um, which is really cool. Uh, you mentioned the guys from Road to, Gar- Road to the Garden. Expect them to come on probably a lot this year, especially when it comes to tournament time. We start really taking a deep dive in like these Big East teams. Um, it's going to be a lot of exciting stuff. Uh, all the house cleaning we alluded to a couple weeks ago is finished, and it's time to move into our new home. And Josh, real quick, if you want the best seats available, where do you go to? Oh, for sure. A part of this partnership deal under the House of College Hoops umbrella is that we are partnered with SeatGeek through the House of College Hoops. As you can see on the screen here, if you're watching the YouTube video when it comes up later on, um, you'll see the SeatGeek code, the barcode that you can scan from your phone, or you can go to SeatGeek.com and download the app or do it online. If you're looking to buy the best college basketball tickets for a fair price use SeatGeek. go go to download the seat geek app now and use the promo code ncaa hoops digest for twenty dollars off your first purchase guys this is such a massive deal especially if you're trying to go to a high profile game let's say later in january you want to try to see if you can snag a ticket for the kentucky kansas game everybody knows that thing's going to sell and it's going to be high priced well save yourself twenty dollars on your purchase or if you're maybe looking to go to a, a, a lesser known game, 
maybe you're wanting to go to the Purdue Marquette game. Not that it's lesser, but maybe you're wanting to go to that. Tickets are like, say, $40. Download the SeatGeek app. Sign up. Use the promo code NCAA Hoops Digest. $20 off. Cut your ticket right in half. Now $40 tickets, $20. This is a great deal. It's a national brand, and we can't thank the House of College Hoops and SeatGeek for this sponsorship code. And why wouldn't you? Why would you waste your money on the ticket transaction fees from Ticketmaster and all Vivid Seats? Go to SeatGeek.com, download the app on your phone, and use promo code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. You can't beat that. No, you can't. Let's just say if you want to go to the Louisville-Kentucky game this year and up, and let's just say hypothetically, I didn't even check what the ticket prices are. Let's just say hypothetically it's like $150 per ticket for like the lowest ticket. Um, instead of playing $150 to watch Kentucky versus Louisville, how about you just pay $130 to watch a game? And if, you, if you're like me, a Louisville fan, save you save you $20 to go buy a beer or something when Louisville probably gets their ass whooped. So, <laughs> save, save you the trouble, man. Save $20 with CD. Well, hey, 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 I know you're not supposed to do this, but I'm going to tell them a little hack, too. If you have multiple debit or credit cards, guys, you can do this again. Just create new accounts, first-time accounts. Use it. Keep using the $20 code. Or maybe if you're like going with a buddy to a game and like maybe one team, like me and Peyton, like I'm a Kentucky fan, he's a Louisville fan. Maybe one time we go to Kentucky, I'll create a new account. We'll use the promo code, $20 off. Then we go to a Louisville game, Peyton creates a new account with a new card, $20 off. Just keep using it, baby. Yeah. What's that promo code, Peyton? It's NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off. Make sure you go download the SeatGeek app. I promise you, these are fantastic deals that you do not want to miss out on. And just in case you take Josh's advice there and try to save you some money and keep on doing that, um, just in case the FBI shows up to your house, let them know that. Let them know that Jeff Goodman from Field of 68 told you how to do that. (laughs) Baiting one other bit of uh, house cleaning deal. Obviously, episode 119 is brought to you by our title sponsor this year, Beauty to Beast Nutrition. Uh, you guys know our love for Beauty to Beast Nutrition, located in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana. Uh, Peyton, I think we're both hitting the, the banner at the same time there. But, yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> Beauty to Beast Nutrition, you know, a juice bar, I guess is what you'd call it, but healthy protein drinks, healthy protein coffees, healthy teas. They've got the little protein bites that you can buy, and they're ran by a tremendous person in Natasha. If you are in the central Indiana area, or you live in Edinburgh, stop by. It is worth the trip. There are great teas, great protein coffees, and the best part, they're healthy for you. Tremendous. And like I said, the people at Beauty to Beast, Natasha and her whole crew are customer friendly. They will work with you. Stop in, tell them ECB sent you 10% off your entire purchase. Whether you get one drink, three drinks, five drinks, or 10 drinks, you're going to get 10% off that entire purchase. Wonderful people to be in business with. So grateful that they've came on board this year to be our title sponsor and on mornings like this where it's kind of droopy yeah it kind of looks like it's gonna rain i'm not sure probably low energy on a sunday morning um go get you one of those booster teas like josh said really boost your energy for today get you going go do something that's um you know has to do with exercise or something like that and go get you one of those like watermelon thunders matter of fact go get two of them so we can share one <laughs> yeah or like i mentioned in the last episode Go get the brand new Grave Digger. It's supposed to be like a protein coffee, but it goes down like the best tasting milkshake. It's only like, I think, what, $9 for like yeah. a 20 ounce. 
you get 10, 10% off that. So you do the math. I mean, you'll save yourself a couple dollars there and it's well worth it. Uh, hell, I know people around the area that literally stop in every day that they're open. So that's how good they are and great people to be in business with. So we can't thank Beauty to Beast Nutrition enough. Peyton, now that that's all kind of taken care of, um, let's get down to brass tacks today. What do you say? Let's go, baby. Um, let's start Yeehaw. with the let's start with the magazine. Uh, go ahead and put that uh, that ticker back up so people can see that. But just the fact. Four months worth of research, independent research, and it comes out 127 pages digitally where it's easy to view, too. You just keep scrolling down. You'll see everything. We You start off with our preseason top 25 we talked about on last episode that we've revealed about a month ago. It goes all the way down to our All-Americans, three teams of All-Americans, three teams of All-Freshman team. I mean, National Player of the Year predictions, Defensive Player of the Year. Then you'll scroll down conference by conference. The Power Six, every team has a write-up. Every team has their schedule. And then you get down to some of the low, the mid-majors and low-major conferences, and we have full predictions on there. It is well worth the $10. And I'm not just saying it because it's our magazine, but if this was somebody else that did it and it looked like that and had that type of passion and research behind it, I would say it's well worth $10. And I'm just going to say it right now. Obviously, Lindy's is a bigger publication than us and can afford yearly. They've been doing it for decades now to put out a full-blown magazine cover to cover, which one day we will get to, by the way. But I I would say our magazine, as far as predictions and everything, the way they line up with AP poll and everything, I swear I think ours is better than Lindy's. Yeah, well, ours don't have Michigan in the top 10 and have Kentucky ranked like eighth. which is still ridiculous to even think about Michigan in the top 10. They're not even in our top 25. They're receiving votes for us um, on our preseason top 25 poll. But yeah, like Josh said, the magazine's definitely worth the $10. And we're not just saying that to be biased either. We put a lot of hard work in this, uh, myself, Josh, and Phil, in the past four months. And we took a couple breaks. Um, in those four in that four month span to really uh, mainly the reason why I took a break because a lot of these washers weren't set in stone to like yeah and that was the um, hard thing late like, September early yeah. October so I had to wait a long time before I can start doing like previews or really just figure out what these conference predictions are gonna look like so it took me a long time before I was uh, eventually finished with all the conference predictions and previews and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, you know, I hope you guys enjoy it. Like I say, go get the magazine at etsy.com slash shop slash ECB shop 10. A lot of hard work was displayed in the past four months and go get you a magazine. You can see for yourself. If you like it. If you don't like it, that's fine. Just yeah. let us know. Let us know. That way we can work, work on it, um, next year and try to be better. So let us know. No, and that's absolutely right. And I, we actually put out feelers to people we knew had bought the magazine, thanking them and all this other stuff. And we, we're honest. We're grown men. If you like it, by all means, thank you. If you don't, if there's some things that maybe you like, maybe you don't, maybe it's how it's laid out or whatever, tell us. It's okay. You're not going to hurt our feelings. We need to know to get better for next year because there is going to be a next year. And either way, we appreciate you all. Good feedback, bad feedback, it all goes the same. We all need it for to improve it. it I'm, I'm just so blessed that not only the fact that we came together and did this, worked and grinded for it, and the fact that people are buying it at a rate in which I never imagined. I, honestly, I thought if we sold two of them, 
being a, a non-national publication and self-publicated, I thought that would be a win. And we have far exceeded that. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. Yeah. My original goal when we started this is to get five orders and um, sell five magazines. And uh, we've completely smashed any expectations I had. And I know Phil, if he was on here, he'd say the exact same thing. They exceeded any expectations we had about this magazine coming out. So Go get you magazine if you like it. Tell your friends. And if they like it, tell have their friends tell your friends or something. Let's get this magazine sold and let's show them why ECB is taking over this year. Yeah, and absolutely. And Peyton, without going too far into the magazine, I do want to touch on some of it because I mentioned uh, and we talked about in the top 25 uh, when we broke that down in the last episode. You know, our top 25 preseason, which came out like a week and a half, two weeks or whatever before the AP officially did. Actually, I think it was longer now. I think it was like three weeks before. But we pretty much matched up. Like we had, I think, um, I think it was said that we had like 23 of the 25 and a lot of them in the same kind of ranges. Uh, I think our top four was exactly the same as the AP poll, North Carolina, yeah. Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky. Um, so that was a big boost to us in our voting poll we talked about. But some other stuff, too, we pretty much had spot on. Um, our in the magazine, you, you'll see the, the preseason all American list. I'm pretty sure we matched up exactly with the eight people, which came oh, out. We hundred percent did. Yeah. Our first scene was exactly on par. We've with... got Oscar. Yep. We've got, uh, Marcus Sasser. Mm-hmm. We've got Trace Jackson Davis, uh, yeah. Drew Timmy and, um, Armando Baycott. And that's exactly what the eight people had. Yeah. He's exactly what they had. Um, and, and I think that's, I mean, you notice, I think we talked about it a little bit last episode and it's kind of the theme of this year coming in. It's the year of the big man. Like you look around college basketball and it is going to be a big man driven sport this year. Oscar, Armando Baycott, Drew Timmy, Trace Jackson Davis, Hunter Dickinson, and so on and so forth. Um, your thoughts on the return of the big man in college basketball and twofold on this question do you think it has a lot to do with the fact that NIL is back and a lot of these top guys are realizing that they could come back, play another year, get seasoned for pros, and make money? Oh, yeah. Well, Drew Timmy said it. If the NIL wasn't a thing, himself and Oscar Schubert probably doesn't return for another year and a Monobuck guy. Like, he said that those are the exact words. Like, if the NIL wasn't a thing and we're still back to where we used to be with you know, college athletes not making any money, then those two guys wouldn't have come back and they would have left and who knows what would have happened. But as far as the big men goes, yeah, seven of our top 10 of our top 50 players are all big men. Um, and to- our top four is big men too. So the return of the big men is definitely a big, uh, a big key this year. Um, guys like TJD coming back for Indiana is really going to spark them and really, um, shows their potential this year, how good they can be. Obviously, Oscar Sheboy, the reigning defending national player of the year, is coming back for another year for Kentucky. Um, Drew Timmy's back. And uh, the return of the big man, it's nice to see because that's what it used to be, especially back in like the, you know, back in my day, as a lot of of old people (laughs) like to say. Um, Fuck you, I'm not that old. I wasn't saying you. I would have called you out if I was talking about you. Uh, back, especially back in like the mid 2000s late 2000s it was like primarily dominated about big men you know greg odin for Ohio state was dominant um he would have had a great nba career if he if he didn't get too many injuries al, al horford yoke from florida Tyler um, hansborough 
Yeah, we, we've been blessed with a lot of good big men, but in the last decade, it's obviously, and it's still, don't get me wrong, it's still going to be a guards game. Like, the team that has the best guards are going to win the tournament this year. But I think what we're highlighting is the fact that so many good, dominating big men are back that you have these back-to-the-basket, athletic, strong, traditional post players back that it makes it exciting for post play again. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And most of these big men, they've pretty much adapted. Um, now they're starting to hit outside shots. Like Hunter Dickinson, he can stretch it out and light it up from the mid-range to even somewhat three-point range. And so is Harmony uh, Hakez Jr. He can hit some mid-range shots as well. We've seen last year, Sheboy started really develop a mid-range jump shot. You know, guys like TJ D still need to develop that and Drew Timmy. But, yeah, the land of the big man's back. It's always going to be a guard league. You can't win the tournament or you can't do well in the tournament if you don't have great guard play. Uh, shown in the past five to ten years that if you don't have a great guard, uh, at least one of them, then you're not going to go far in the tournament. But if you can match up with a great guard play with either one dominant big or even two dominant bigs, then you're likely to make a far run in the tournament. No, and absolutely, Peyton. And it, moving a little bit away from the magazine, you want to talk about dominating backcourts. Here's what I want to say. Exhibition games don't mean jack. They don't mean a damn thing. I, I can go back 10 plus years ago when Syracuse was ranked in the top five in the country preseason and they lost to a division. I think it was a division two or division three team in an exhibition game in the carrier dome because they played man to man instead of their traditional zone the whole game. And people started to overreact. And the Syracuse team was like a number one ranked team for most of the year, made a deep run in the tournament. So exhibition games don't really mean nothing. You obviously don't want to lose them if you're a bigger team. But we've started to see exhibition games be played. And we talk about backcourts. We had a charity exhibition game live on pay-per-view from this last Friday night. Normally these exhibition games, like I mentioned, are the big teams playing a Division two or Division three school within the state or surrounding states to kind of get a warm-up. Well, we had a special exhibition scrimmage, like I said, live on pay-per-view from chair or for a charity on this last Friday night. Tennessee dominated Gonzaga 99-80 in large part because Tennessee might have one of the best, if not the best, backcourt in all of America right now. Yeah, I think they definitely got a top three backcourt. Santiago Vescovi and Zakai Ziggler. That's definitely a duo that Teams need to watch out for this year, and they looked very impressive in their dominant win against Gonzaga. And most of that game was close. I know at one point, like six months ago, uh, Tennessee was up like 64-62, maybe 66-62, and they just started to pay annoying hit shots and really stretch it out late, uh, later in the game and pull away from Gonzaga. But, yeah, dominant backcourt's going to definitely help with Barnes this year. Like Kai Ziggler is definitely one of the best defenders in the country. And Santiago Vescovi can obviously light it up from three. Um, so this team, this Tennessee team is going to be dangerous once again. Well, Ziggler, man, he may be only like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but that dude's a leader. He does remind, not in play style, but the heart, the small guy grind, the gritas. Um, he's got a little Allen Iverson in him. Not Again, not necessarily in play, but I'm talking about the heart, the drive for being a small guard. And you got it's Rick Barnes' team. You got guys stepping up. Viscovi, Zakai Ziegler. You got the freshman Julian Phillips who played well. Um, you got Tyreek Key, the transfer in from uh, Indiana State. 
You know, he had 16 in the first half going three for three from deep. Um, you know, you mentioned it. Gonzaga was up 54-50 at halftime, and then Tennessee just dominated the second half. Dominated. And, again, you don't want to overreact, right, because it's just exhibition. You're, you're tinkering around with stuff. Key ended up with 26 points. He had eight of 12 from the field, including four of seven from three. Um, t- Tennessee hit 13 of 28 from three. You know, that's 46%. If they're going to hit threes like that, good night with the way they play defense. But, uh, again, if you – you don't want to overreact. But I do think you can take a little something away from this because it is two top teams playing each other, unlike – playing like a, a lowly D2, D3 NAIA school. So what do we think we can learn without overreacting from this 99-80 victory over Tennessee against Gonzaga, a team that Gonzaga, a lot of people think, should be in first place in polls over North Carolina? I think it shows that even though I agree with you that exhibition games doesn't necessarily matter in a way, I still think you can take just a little bit out of these exhibition games, especially the one like this. Like, this wasn't a normal exhibition game. This was on pay-per-view. They were selling it for $9.99. Um, and you can tell, especially on the Tennessee side, like, they was wanting to win that game. Uh, they was wanting to make a statement in that second half, and they definitely did starting to pull away from Gonzaga. Uh, it just shows how great Tennessee is defensively. They pretty much shut them out there late, like seven minutes ago, um, and shutting out a Gonzaga team who's normally in the past five years under Mark Few has been top five in offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, almost every single year. So to be able to hold them under, I think it was like 70 points or something like that, that they did. Uh, they, had, they had 80. They had 80. Well, I mean, still, 80 points. They held them to 80 points, and it just shows how good uh, Wick Barnes' Tennessee team can be this year. Uh, my biggest issue with Tennessee is, I've seen it a little bit in this game, the front court definitely needs a little bit of work. Uh, they don't really have a dominant big down low. Uh, Julian Phillips, he's 6'8". Um, he'll probably play normally by a small forward, power forward role. But Yeah, he's uh, more than likely to be either uh, – uh, he's going to be on the wing more than likely. If you've seen yeah. it Friday night, he's going to play, like you said, small forward, like a big small forward or like a stretch four. And it's going yeah. to work out perfect in that system. Yeah. I mean, they do got seven for They got Euros Plasovic. So we'll see how he can do this year. Um, they're going to need someone to clean up the glass – uh, for them this year, especially when they get into the SEC play and they play a guy like Oscar Shibway. Um, yeah. They got to keep him off the glass, try their best to do so. But as far as Gonzaga goes, I mean. Well, don't, real quick, I didn't mean to cut you off. Don't forget, yeah, too, though. Obviously, that first game last year, Kentucky blew out Tennessee. Then Tennessee won two more, uh, at, or the game in Knoxville and then the SEC tournament, in large part because Euros Plasovic and the big man Jonas Idu. Big, burly bastards just double-teamed, bodied up, rotated in and out to guard Oscar. And really, they didn't shut him down, but they they gave him fits with their size, strength, and athleticism. Yeah, well, a big part of last year, especially second half of the season, Tennessee's guard play got a lot better. Kennedy Chandler started to show why he was a five-star freshman coming in last year. And in my eyes, he was one of the best freshmen. He was a top-five freshman for me behind uh, Holmgren, uh, Jabari Smith, and um, – Paolo Bancaro, uh, he's actually probably fourth on my list when it comes to top freshman last year, second half of the year. But Gonzaga, I mean, Shaw is going to have to carry the load a lot this year, him and uh, um, Drew Timmy. 
Nolan Hickman, I'm not sure um, on how he's going to do this year. They're going to need someone else to step up there besides Strawberry and Jutami if they really want to have a chance to win the national championship this year. I do too. Again, try not to overreact. Uh, obviously, this could be the best thing for Gonzaga. You know, hey, maybe we're not as good right now as everybody thinks we are. Uh, we need to wake up because they're, they're going to be challenged as always in the non-conference. They got to go to Texas. They got to play Kentucky. They got Michigan State. They're going to play a brutal schedule like they always do. Speaking of Texas, we had one other big-time exhibition game. This one I'm a little bit more concerned about. Again, try not to overreact, but on uh, last night, or, sorry, not last night, yesterday afternoon, Arkansas went to Texas to play um, an exhibition game, and Texas absolutely walloped Arkansas. I mean, just beat them down. Peyton, initial reactions from this exhibition game, are: do we buy more stock in Texas? Are we more concerned about Arkansas's youth right now? Or should we just pump the brakes on it all together? Oh, I don't know. I still think both teams are very talented, especially Arkansas. I still think they're top five good. Um, and maybe, like we said with Gonzaga, maybe this can motivate them heading to the season. Like, hey, we can't take teams lightly, and we really got to um, develop early because they're all backed by a lot of freshmen. They don't bring back Jalen Williams last year. He left the program. He led the nation in charges uh, per game last season. Um, so they're definitely going to have to develop early. And that was kind of our concern this year with them is they're very young. Um, they're not an experienced team, um, and especially coming off of a uh, Elite Eight. Did they make the Elite Eight? So yeah, yeah, Elite, they yeah, back, yeah, Elite Eight. They yeah, lost back-to-back to back Elite Eights. Barely they lost knocked off Duke. Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah they knocked they off knocked Gonzaga in the Sweet 16, and then they got beat by Duke Elite Eight, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I thought. Um, so, yeah, they're coming off back-to-back Elite Eight appearances, so they're going to be an inexperienced team. They're going to have to develop early. Texas, though, my God. Chris Beard is a hell of a coach. I think he's pissed off this year. He's looking for something to prove because last year they was very, very disappointing. Uh, I said it in my article on um, our magazine that, that they finished 10-8 and eight in the Big 12 and was swept by rival Texas Tech in the regular season. Chris Beard's former team that he coached. Um, I think Chris Beard's pissed off. I think he has a team that definitely can compete. And you know what? I mean, it's exhibition games. We'll see how they do once they get into some of these big games um, early in the season when they play Clayton December 1st and Gonzaga. They play them uh, November 16th on a Wednesday. We'll see how good they really can be. But I think on paper, Texas matches up with a lot of teams in the country. No, I mean, I completely agree. Um, And you mentioned a guy like Marcus Carr have to step up. You know, I, we know Texas has the talent. We know they've got the talent. And we know Arkansas has got the talent. But, man, I, again, how do I react to this? Yes, great job by Texas. Arkansas losing by 30. If you lose by, like, 12, 15, eh, okay. But you just got ran out the building against another team that you're basically similarly matched up to. This was our concern. We talked about it. How long will it take these freshmen to gel? But like Gonzaga, we mentioned, this could be the best thing for them, that they got smacked around. They started, obviously, Nick Smith started, Anthony Black started. They started a, a bunch of their five-star freshmen coming in this year. Um, Arkansas is going to have to wake up, though. 
again, exhibition, you don't, that's why I'm so torn because dad, do you overreact? Do you not? Do you, I don't want to overreact, but then you get blown out by 30. The game wasn't televised. It was only on radio. So you can't really see much, but man, the stats show. And, and the bad thing is Arkansas was only down 10 at half. Texas was leading 40, 30 at half. And then for them to get minus 20 in the second half to lose by 30 points. I, I don't know. Is there cause for concern right now early on with Arkansas? Like, cause that was our fear is that they're going to be extremely talented. And by February, they're going to be one of the biggest problems for teams to figure out in the country. But early on, I think they'll struggle because it's youth. It's the same, the same thing we're talking about Duke, right? So talented, yeah. so young, but they're going to have to figure it out. Arkansas, are you more concerned about them? And transparently, if you're Duke, do you look at this thing? Oh, shit, we better step on the gas pedal now. Yes. Yes and no. Uh, looking at Arkansas, um, their non-conference schedule, it's kind of pulls into their favor. They don't really play anybody too good. They do play Wofford uh, November 27th. Uh, they play Wake on the 10th. Uh, Wake's a good team. It's probably going to be a tournament team this year. But until really they play um, – and until they get into SEC conference play, they don't really play anybody good. So I think that's going to play in their favor. It's going to allow them to gel and really get this inexperienced team and get Eric Musselman. Um, he's going to coach his team up. And by December, when they get really get into conference play, I think Arkansas is going to show why that they are a top five preseason team. But I think there is something that we can talk about is definitely there is some concern with this Hey, team. real quick, don't forget Arkansas too. They're in Maui this year. Yeah. They're in a good Maui. Isn't Louisville playing in Maui this year? Yeah, that's who they tip off against. Yeah, first game. yeah. They play Louisville. Listen, we know Louisville's backcourt's not what other teams comparable to them are around the country. But, you know, that's that's a tough test for Arkansas early. You, you get a, a hungry, experienced, you know, Louisville team that could push them. That could be an interesting one early on. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We see. We saw what happened with Louisville last year in a tournament or a midseason tournament. They ended up winning that damn thing, beating Maryland, or they beat um, Mississippi State, and then they beat Maryland to win it all. Um, the Bahamas tournament last year. So, I mean, we'll see how good this Louisville team can be. That's definitely going to be an interesting matchup. And Arkansas, with the inexperienced team, that could be a trap game for them if they lose that. But wrapping up both on Texas and Arkansas, again, exhibition games don't mean a damn thing, but you can take some stuff away. Uh, let's wrap up on Texas, Peyton. Obviously a great sign, as you mentioned, for Chris Beard. And I do think he's motivated. He came over last year, didn't really have the year that everybody thought. We had him predicted, what, top 10 preseason last year. Yep. They got they got smacked around early um, by Gonzaga. Um, and they didn't really show up. Let's just be honest. They didn't show up, but they got guys like Marcus Carr back. Timmy Allen apparently played really good yesterday in the exhibition game. Big-time scorer, could be a leader for this Texas team. So now that we've seen and heard about this, look in – we have Texas uh, predicted what in the Big 12? We have um, uh, fourth, third. third? Yeah, that, okay, yeah right. the third. Okay. Do you see now after one exhibition game against a good Arkansas team, is there a chance they compete with Kansas and Baylor? Without a doubt. 
without a doubt. I, on paper, they're as good as anyone in the country. I mentioned that. Um, if, it all depends on how good Marcus Carr is this year. Um, if he plays up to a potential, if he plays like the Marcus Carr that we know at uh, Minnesota, just getting buckets and being a good rebounder, um, this Texas team could go to a Final Four this year. And I honestly believe that. Uh, Timmy Allen's coming back for another year. That's huge for them. Uh, obviously, Dylan Mitchell, who's a top 15 recruit coming into this year, he's going to play big minutes. Um, this Texas squad, they got a lot of talent, man. It's just can they all gel together and can Marcus Carr take them to the promised land? Good question. Um, good start for Texas, Arkansas on the flip side. Again, try not to cause for concern. It's just an exhibition game, but you can't lose by 30. Um, so no. so what's what's the outlook? We know they're talented. We know. We talked about it. We've got them challenging Kentucky and Tennessee. We haven't finished in second in the conference. But we did say that it's going to take them a while to gel because there are a lot of new players, 11 new guys on this team. The Mitchell twins coming in from Rhode Island. You know, you talk about Nick Smith, Anthony Black. All these guys have to get time to get acclimated to Arkansas, to the SEC, to a new system, a new style. So when do we think we can see the real Arkansas? Do you think this will wake them up and right out the gates here in eight days when uh, the season officially tips off that you'll see them, you know, on board now? Or do you still think that it's going to take till about mid-January, late January to figure it out? I think by December, um, before they tip off against Oklahoma on December 10th, I think that's where they can start pulling it all. I still think they'll win Maui. Um, I don't know if Louisville or Texas Tech, I mean, Creighton's in there as well. And that's a dangerous team that people need to look out for. If we we can get a Creighton-Arkansas matchup in the final four, or not in the final, but not in the final four, in the final, take my money because I'd watch that every day if I could because that's going to be a banger if we can see that happen, uh, if that actually turns out. Um, if it holds shock, but I think, uh, yeah, ba- just- I, I think that's a bad matchup for Arkansas. Colt Brenner's seven foot ass. Uh, I don't know if they have anybody that can stop him. No, but I think Nick Smith is going to be the best player on the floor. Do you think he could have a moment in Maui like uh, Anthony Edwards did for Georgia a couple of years ago? Oh my god, dropping almost 40 against Michigan State, brought them back. I remember watching again, that shit was incredible. Um, maybe not 40, but I think he can get about 25 to 30. And no matter what, uh, he's going to be the he's the best player in this tournament without a doubt. Uh, in my eyes, he's the best freshman coming into this year. Oh no, so. without a doubt, w- without a doubt. Like I don't think any of us on ECB are arguing with you about that. No. But Arkansas, uh, the last thing I want to ask now, again, exhibition. I keep preferencing it because I don't want you, you see a lot of national media freaking out, right? And a lot of casual people. Oh my God, the sky's falling. It's an exhibition game does not go on your record. You don't want to lose that embarrassingly. But now that we've kind of gotten a little taste of it, if we had to re-rank the SEC preseason rankings, would you put Tennessee, especially what they just did to Gonzaga, ahead of Arkansas now for number two? Yes. I would If we're just just going off exhibition play and act like these games actually matter, um, then 100% Tennessee is going to two behind Kentucky. Yeah, I think so. And I think Tennessee showed that that gap between Kentucky and Tennessee is a lot smaller. So, yeah, it's, a lot, it's a lot smaller than it's we a lot originally smaller. expected. Hey, and the SEC is going to be real good top-heavy again this year. I, yeah. I mean, it's we didn't put it in the magazine. We discussed it, but we wanted to let stuff play out. But just between you and I, I think if we did our power rankings of conferences, I think the Big 12 is going to be number one. You look at teams like Kansas, Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, even though they struggled in an exhibition game the other day. 
um, it, you know, you got some good teams in that conference. I think from top to bottom, they'll be number one. But I think right behind them is SEC. Yeah. I'm uh, if you look at our ECB preseason top 25, it says there too, um, five schools in the Big 12, five schools in the SEC. That's the most of any conference in our preseason top 25. So it shows right there. And, and the, think about this. The two winners of those big exhibition games this weekend, charity, scrimmages, whatever you want to call them, they play each other in the Big 12 SEC Challenge again this year. Texas goes to Tennessee this year. Oh, baby. <laughs> That's going to be go. wild. Oh, That's yeah, gonna good be Kansas, walk. Kentucky. Oh my God, these big. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to look it up. Doesn't Arkansas play Baylor? Uh, oh, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Uh, they play Oklahoma. Uh, no, they play Baylor. No, they January play Baylor. Tw- uh, they January play 28th. Look at that. Oh my God. Arkansas at Baylor, Texas at Tennessee, and freaking Kansas at Kentucky. Woo! Holy oh my shit. God. Loaded buddy loaded that's gonna oh be badass that's yeah hell badass. yeah it's gonna be badass that's gonna be sweet um some other exhibition games we're not gonna go through all of them that's just too much i do want to make some notable comments on a few of them amani bates is back playing for eastern michigan all the legal issues mm, seem to be yeah. out the way he made the apology let's hope the kid finally gets on the right track but he dropped 27 Against, I forget the D2 school that they play. I apologize. They won the game pretty comfortably. Amani 27. Outlook on Amani. We've known for a long time the kid's got a shit ton of talent. But it's upstairs is the problem. And maybe the people in his life, his inner circle, is kind of leading him astray. But 27 against a, a decent D2 opponent, I would guess. Um, you know, can Amani get the ship righted and help Eastern Michigan compete in the MAC? Ah. He has a talent to do so, yeah. But it's all upset. Can he keep his head straight? It's not necessarily the kid. It's who he has surrounding him. It's his entourage. It's his family, really. I mean, his dad, to to um, really dive deep into it, has really caused a lot of issues with him um, outside of playing basketball. Talent-wise, I think he's he's phenomenal. We saw him at the Nike UBL four or five years ago, live playing against Bonnie James. And he had nearly 40. I think he actually probably did have 40 in that game. Um, nearly beat Bonnie James strive for greatness team by himself. The kid's phenomenal. He has a lot of talent. He has a lot of potential. It's just, I don't know if he can keep his head straight and really um, do what he needs to do to really get back in the conversation to get drafted next year. I think I don't, if he does enter the draft next year, I don't think he's going to get drafted. I think somebody in the second round will take a, uh, a chance on him. I think I think if you're a second-round team where it's not guaranteed money, um, you look at the talent and think, well, we get him around grown men, get him in the system, you know, try to keep his head on straight with some mentors. I think it's worth the challenge or it's worth the risk because he does have a lot of talent. He's, what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, or whatever he is. Yeah. can hand, handle the ball, shoot the three, take you off the dribble, all that good stuff. Um, and I think it'd be worth the second round pick because then if he doesn't pan out, you can either ship him to the G league or you can cut him or whatever. And it, and it's only cost you like a million, million and a half and it, you don't have to guarantee it. But, and if he turns up and he, his talent shines through and he keeps his head on, now you've got a, a first round kid, even a lottery pick in the second round where you can pay him for dirt cheap in NBA terms. I think he's going to get drafted and it'll be worth the second rounder. 
don't know if it's worth the headache. I don't know if NBA scouts are going to look at him and be like, yeah, you know, he has a lot of talent. He has a lot of potential, but it's not really worth the headache. He's going to cause more harm than he is do good. Uh, and to me, he had the golden ticket. He went to Memphis, coached by Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway knows what it takes to be an NBA player. And he can definitely get um, Imani Bates being an NBA-level type player. And you've seen what happened. You Memphis. know who he needs to be around, and I'm not necessarily saying this is where he should go or if it's even a great fit, but he needs to be on a team with like the Miami Heat with an old veteran like Udonis Haslam that can snatch him by the neck, lead him around, and to say, listen, man, this is how we do things in the NBA. This is how you stay in this league for 20 years. This is how you do this. You do this, your talent's going to shine through. You're going to be a star. If you don't, your ass is going to be playing over in Israel somewhere. Yeah. I think he needs something like that. And we've heard stories of Jimmy Butler just being really tough on his teammates, making sure they, uh, you know, playing up to the potential. Um, as long as he don't go to Golden State and get punched by Jeremy Green, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> but um, by the way, I mean, I was in charge of doing the Mac preview on our magazine. I have Eastern Michigan eighth in the Mac, and that was with uh, Imani kind of status up in the air. Even with him, I didn't really see much. If he's going to play like this and play a full season, keep his head on straight, I would bump Eastern Michigan probably in the top six. But, I mean, Toledo's the class of the field in the MAC. They're so good. Kent State's going to be a decent side. I think Ball State can challenge a little bit. But that Toledo side, man, they bring back a shit ton. 26 wins last year, won the MAC, going 17-3. and three. They did not make the tournament, got knocked out in the MAC, tur- or MAC, champion- or MAC tournament. Sorry. Uh, lost to Dayton in the first round, a good Dayton team. But they bring back a shit ton of dudes. Um, they've got a really good squad. So I, even if Imani Bates is at his absolute best, I can't see Toledo not winning the MAC. But good yeah. on Imani Bates. Let's hope that for the kid's sake and for college basketball, that the kid keeps his head on right, shows out, because we know his talent. At his peak, especially at Eastern Michigan, and no offense to the MAC because we love the mid-majors, but if the kid plays right and he keeps his head on shoulders, there's no reason he can't average 19, 20 points a game. No, not at all, especially in the conference that he's playing in. Um, he definitely can average 20, more than 20 a game this year. But, hey, Josh, just real quick, who'd you have winning the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference this oh, year? Oh, I'm glad you – what a lead-in that was. <laughs> um, I think us at ECB and just about everybody with a functioning brain had Manhattan. I mean, that team was loaded, and I say was loaded because we're getting ready to talk about something here. Um, Yeah, we have Manhattan winning it, and you look at Manhattan. Four starters were returning, six of the top eight guys back, including their top three. Jose Perez, 18.9 points a game. Ant Nelson, 10.9, and Josh Roberts, 8.9. Plus, they are fifth-year senior and senior heavy. It's a veteran group. Um, They were the second-best team in the MAC last year behind Iona, and then both of them got knocked out, obviously, by St. Peter's in the the MAC tournament. This team was potential, and I'm not saying they would, but they were potential to maybe crack like the top 30 in the rankings this year at some point. But, man, not now, Peyton. You let into it. Uh, I don't know what they're thinking, but this last week, the AD of Manhattan decided two weeks before the start of the season to fire head coach Steve Masiella. She tried to say, well, I think it's the right time and started to say some bullshit about right recruiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for recruiting. And we're like, well, you can't fucking offer nothing or do nothing in like December. <laughs> like, 
none of it made sense and we still haven't figured out a good reason we know a couple years ago Massiello had a couple controversies with him and the players and all that but uh, as soon as this happened everybody's like what the like two weeks if you're gonna do it do it a month or two ago where you have time not two weeks and Manhattan's exploding Jose Perez, I mentioned their top player back, 18.9 points a game, one of the top guards in the country. It came out vocally on Twitter, let it be known immediately after that he loves Coach Masiello, one of his biggest influences, like a father figure to him, that he will not play again for Manhattan if he's not there. And he entered the transfer pool. Actually, tonight at 5 p.m., he's supposed to announce where he's going. I mean, as immediately as he went to the transfer pool to Louisville, Texas Tech, I mean, a whole load of big colleges come calling for his services. He's gone. Other guys, I'm pretty sure Ant Nelson, Josh Roberts, like more than half of this Manhattan team has either already entered a transfer portal or been rumored to. Manhattan's literally went from the Sorry. start of Sorry, oh. Madrid just scored up one nil in Toronto. Sorry, I had to. Oh, Let's you're good. Go, you're baby. good. Vinny you're Jr. good. Vinny you're Jr. Good. with another one. Let's go. You're good. Um, right, carry on with your thought, my bad. <laughs> uh, you, no, you're good. Um, but no, but seriously, like more than half of this Manhattan team is out of there now or getting ready to leave. And they've went from a team that should have won the, the Metro Atlantic Conference to now a team that, honest to God, could finish dead last. Um, it, one of the craziest things in college basketball I've ever seen. Two weeks before they fucking fired the coach. That's ridiculous. That is, I've never seen something really like that. Especially they had so much talent coming coming into this year. Um, you mentioned Jose Perez. He was the preseason player of the year for the Metro Atlantic Conference this year. Um, the kid's a stud. He's going to average, well, he averaged last year, about 16 in a game, something like that. Who? Uh, Jose Perez. Oh, uh, 18 9. Eight, that's what it was. Eight, but roughly 19 points per game. The kid's phenomenal wherever he goes. I am costing my fingers that he comes to Louisville because if he does, my whole outlook on Louisville and the guard play completely changes overnight. And I am calling Jeff Goodman's ass out immediately if we get Jose Perez. So, well, we'll say that. That'll be the next. But the this is crazy. And the AD, I don't know in what right, like, I don't know in what mind and in what world she thinks this is a good idea. You either fire him months ago if you don't want him there, or you'll wait till the end of the year and fire him. You don't do it two weeks. That's not fair. I don't care what excuse you give. That's not fair to the players. That's not fair to the program who is expected to be good in a tournament team. That's just, It's not right, and she needs to be held accountable. Unless yeah. details have come out that we still don't know about that something disgusting has happened. Yeah, uh, I was going to mention that. Like, something had to happen within – he had to do something with cheating or just anything to really make this AD feel basically wanting to get rid of him because it, it reminds me a lot of – I think it was the month before the season when Coach Patino got fired at Louisville um, and David Padgett took over the program. But the but difference least- is – that's what I said. The difference is that he, we had a month – to really get the team gelled with uh, Coach Paget, and there's a scandal going involved. Okay, that's, that's the reason the, he was fired. That's the big thing. We knew there was potential of that happening. You knew the circumstances. There was a scandal. It just so happens that the firing came at a bad time, but we knew this. It's like seemingly out of the blue, and it makes no sense, and it's terrible. And Manhattan's going to get what they deserve. And I hate to say that for them. And all of our Manhattan people that listen to the show or follow us, 
you know, I, I apologize. I don't have nothing personal against the program. I was like, actually excited to see you guys play this year. But okay. it, you're going to get what you deserve for this firing if there's not just cause. Oh, yeah, there's going to be some calling that coming involved uh, probably sooner rather than later. They literally went from being our favorites to win the Metro Atlantic this year to overnight having half their players enter the transfer portal. And so it's ridiculous. And I know con- consensus, a lot of people would pick Iona, but I still had Ryder number two. Look at this Ryder team real quick. You know, 51.2 points of their points per game return, five of their top six scorers back, including their top scorer, Dwight Murray Jr. at 13.1. Four of their five starters back. This Ryder team is going to be real good. But you never count out Coach Patino either. You know, 49% of their scorings back. Added a couple key transfers. Some raw talent freshmen. So I, I definitely think Manhattan's went from the penthouse to the outhouse. And it's going to be between Iona and Ryder to, who wins that bid in the one-bid league. Oh, yeah. The, the race for the Metro Atlanta this year is going to be a lot more um... – exciting now that Manhattan's completely out of the running for it. Like that top, top that top race between um Ryder and Iona is gonna be very interesting. And I really hope if Iona doesn't win the regular season, I hope they can win their conference tournament because we need Slick Rick back in the tournament. I know man, I know. Works that St. Peter, even though they, they won that special one last year where they got to the Elite Eight um and got beat by North Carolina. Um it's still a nice to see Iona and Rick Patino in the tournament. By the way, for those who are watching the YouTube video, um, you may notice my background's a little different. Uh, I had to change location today, so don't pay no attention to everything in the back. But uh, Peyton, before we move on to your little Louisville talk here, um, one other what exhibition. You say my little Louisville talk? Come on now. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, one other exhibition game of note for our fan base here in Indiana. The Hoosiers played their first exhibition game yesterday. Uh, and they played uh, in-state school, Marion. Um, blew them out as expected, 78-42. The freshmen were tremendous yesterday. You know, Malik Renault got a lot of action. He played well. Trace Jackson Davis did not play precautions expected. You know, Malik Renault and Jalen Hood Shafino were tremendous. Um, Hood Shafino finished with 11 points and five of eight shooting, had four assists. And Renault, uh, let's see where Renault's stats are. Um, I can't find his official stat line. I think he had like 15 or something. Yeah, I think he had 15. But the freshmen showed out yesterday in the game. And also the other freshman that we have talked about that's kind of flying under the radar, CJ Gunn, you know, he hit a couple three-point shots, ended up with six points. Race Thompson started to stretch the floor a little bit yesterday, shooting the three, you know, IU went eight of nineteen from three. What was the biggest concern we talked about with IU coming into this year? Three point shooting. Three point shooting. They hit eight of nineteen. I know it's against Marion, but if they can hit eight three pointers a game, that's I, I literally I don't think they need to be incredible shooting. I don't no. think they need to be, you know, fifteen a game. But if they can hit eight, nine, and threes a game, oh, that makes Indiana. Th- that's the that's the gap, right? That's what we talked about. If they can yeah. hit eight or eight or nine threes a game, you know, shoot. 35, 36, 37% as a team. This is the Indiana team we all were excited about. Yeah, if they can shoot by 35% from three, that's pretty much average. would be a lot better than what they were the past couple of years under um, <clears throat> Archie Miller. Uh, that's the missing ingredient for this team is if they can hit shots. If they do um, hit about 35% of the threes, then this Indiana team, man, they can get to a Final Four for the first time since 2002. Uh, 2002, yeah, exactly. 
Uh, it's been a long time since they've been to the Final Four. This team's poised to do so. And you talk about backcourts with Tennessee. It, Indiana, in my eyes, has a top 10 backcourt in Xavier Johnson and Hurt Shafina. Well, I mean, and, those- C- and Gunn coming off the bench. I mean, Tamar Bates. But th- I like that Indiana team, man. I, I'll keep beating their drum until they give me a reason not to. And if TJD can develop some sort of jump shot, mid-range jump shot, this team could be scary good come March. And the thing that we talked about at IU, that they were great at last year, that they're going to obviously probably be great at again this year. They held Marion to 42 points, 25% yeah. from the field. Marion only hit 14 of 56 shots. Um, they did hit eight three-pointers, but they went eight of 33. They And they dominated them on the glass, 47-29. Again, it's exhibition, but... Indiana's defense without Trace Jackson Davis already looks locked in. And if they're getting production already from Jalen hood um, Malik Renault, and CJ Gunn just knocking some shots down, this Indiana team's going to be as good as we thought they were. Do you think a guy like Trey Galloway, who's a former three star, do you think he can get some minutes this year? Because he's going to be playing under guys like Tamari Bates, Hood Shafino, Xavier Johnson, mm-hmm. CJ Gunn. Do you think he can get some minutes this year? I do, because if you remember last year when he was healthy, he, he had some injury problems. But you go back to those games like Purdue or in the Big Ten tournament against Illinois, Michigan. He is their glue guy that does everything. If you need, if you need him to attack the rim, he'll attack the rim. But his bread and butter is diving on loose balls, switching ball screens, protecting the rim. Even though he's not that crazy athletic type, he'll he'll get his body in front, cut a defender off. Um, smart, intelligent player takes charges, can defend the block, can do a nice job, you know, switching out on screens, at least on a hedge. You don't really want to leave him isolated, but he can hedge to slow a ball, uh, a dribbler down. Um, I I do. I think he'll probably average like 12 minutes a game, 12, 13, maybe we'll say between 12 and 15 minutes a game because you need that glue guy. Um, Not the greatest offensive threat, but Every team needs that dude that's going to do the dirty work, and I think he'll find himself on the floor a lot as long as he's healthy because of that. Well, we've always said, Josh, me and you always said that if you can defend or just show some sort of um, defensive ability, it's going to be hard to take you off the floor as long as you put the effort in. And if you can hit maybe one, maybe two threes a game, something like that, really help spread out this offense, really give uh, Indiana another three-point option there. I think that's as good as you're going to get. And Trey Galloway, I think he could average about 10 minutes per game this year. Yeah, and as a coach, I always tell my kids, um, you don't have to be a great scorer. Do something so good that I have to keep you on the floor. If you're not a scorer, fine. Be a great defender. Be a great passer. Be a great – be my best screen guy. Be my dirty work guy. Do something where I cannot take you off the floor. And I think that's where Trey Galloway needs to work on. And I here's one other piece on Indiana before I move, we move away. The guy I want to see take a big jump this year because I love his game is Tamar Bates. Lefty, athletic, crafty with the way he can get to the rim, set himself up for teammates. I think Tamar Bates needs a big jump from last year to this year. And I'm not necessarily talking points per game production. I'm just talking about growth on the floor, within the offense, within the system. Because I think if you can get something out of him, let's say if you can get like seven and a half, eight points a game out of him, good for a three-pointer or two a game, solid on the ball, solid defensively, I think that's such a massive piece for that Indiana backcourt. Because he is crafty and he's athletic. And I love his game. I think 
he could be a huge X factor. It's kind of flying under the radar, especially with a guy like Christian Lander, who didn't really pan out, transferring out the opportunities there. And he has to, because if he doesn't, you've got guys like CJ Gunn as a freshman. It's going to take his minutes. So I think Tamar Bates could be a big X factor for this team, but he's got to make a big jump from last year to this year. Yeah, I definitely agree because you can't always play Hood Shafino and Xavier Johnson. They can't play the whole damn game. So Tamar Bates is going to have to step up. And whether if it's offensively or defensively, he's going to have to do something, like you said earlier, that you got to keep him on the floor. You can't take him off the court. So and whether if, if he's defending guys, if he's getting some steals, he only averaged 0.3 steals per game last year. If he can, if he can get that up to about one a game, uh, 1.5 a game, something like that, then that can definitely a way to keep him on the floor. Um, he shot 83% from free throw line, which is very good. Um, a lot of these kids, especially Indiana over the last five years, three-point shooting and free throw shooting has been a key factor in why they have not been good or why they haven't lived up to the potential. So if he can do something, defend, maybe hit some shots, take care of the ball, that's a big key for a guard. You got to take care of the ball, especially playing in the Big Ten. Then, yeah, I can see him uh, being that a viable option coming off the bench. Peyton, I know you have a bone to pick with Mr. Jeff Goodman of stadium.com and field of 68. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Before I go into it, I don't necessarily disagree with him because I've said it in the past. Louisville's guard play is not good. Um, their guard play is very subpar. And it's the reason why I have been finishing 10th on our ACC conference preview this year. Um, L. Ellis is coming back for his final year of eligibility. Uh, he played big moments last year, had some good games against Michigan State where he had like 20 plus. Uh, the Duke game, he had about 20 plus. By the way, <laughs> fuck Jack Harlow. Fuck you. Kiss, hey, listen, he about made me Twitter famous, okay? So kiss my ass. Got over 30,000 views. He fucking. Go he, ahead. I didn't mean. I made, just He made that. my night. He did that completely out of nowhere. I love that. Go check out that video. Give me some more views. Um, but yeah, I mean, LLS, he played big moments last year, and I expect him to have a huge jump this year. He's going to be basically I. I really only guard that we can trust. Mike James is coming off an injury. He just got injured again, unfortunately. I'm not sure if he'll be able to play today against um, Lenore Ryan in our first exhibition game. Tips off at 2.30 uh, Eastern time. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Fabio Bazzilli, uh he reclassified. He's supposed to be in next year's class, but he reclassified this, uh, this year's class. Um He's had a month of practice so far. He still needs to work on a lot of things. He's not strong. Um, if you look at him, he's no offense to him, but he kind of looks like a twig. Uh, looks like I'm snapping him half. Uh, so he's got to get stronger and really, uh, really learn the college game. Because coming from high school, we've seen it before. These kids who reclassify, like a Devin Askew and Monty Bates, we mentioned earlier, they don't necessarily pan out well, especially for guards. Um, Oh, yeah, I'll go play so poor. I mean, I agree with them, but it's not like we don't have anybody. You know, we could be worse. We could be like Syracuse, completely lost almost the whole roster. You know, they don't, they don't have Buddy Beheim back. They don't have Jimmy Beheim back. They lost the Beheim brothers. I mean, come on now. So we're not terrible. We're not going to finish last in the ACC. There's a lot of worse teams in the ACC than Louisville. Come on, Goodman. Like, what are we doing here? Like, you really <laughs> saying, you're really saying a team like, excuse me, I'm losing my voice. A team like Boston College is going to finish higher than Louisville. Really? NC State. Listen, I love Phil, – Phil and I both love Tukavion Smith. He's going to average about 20 a game. His name on the preseason um, ACC first team this year, and I can see why. But he's the only motherfucker that they have this year. 
him alone is not going to be able to beat Louisville. I'm sorry. They had a chance last year, and guess what? Louisville beat them. And Louisville sucked last year. We all know that. So, it's pumped the brakes on Louisville finishing dead last. That shit ain't happening. Not in the Kenny Payne's first year. No, I don't see him dead last. I, I do understand to a degree the the tepid or trepidation with Louisville. Um, and you mentioned it, the backcourt play is scary. But, man, it's not like they're completely void of talent. And, and especially if they get a guy like Jose Perez, um, that'll help out. You know, he's a small guard, so how much? It'll be determined, but it'll help out. Um and we never know who the hell is going to step up. Maybe Master P's son, you know, what's his name? Percy? Hersey? Something like that? Hersey Miller. Yeah. Maybe he fucking shows out or something. He's got college experience. I would pump the brakes. Do I see Louisville finishing top half of the ACC? Probably not. But dead last, not a chance. I mean, there's some bad teams in that conference at the back end. I think you just got to give – I think you got to give um, – KP and Nolan Smith and company time. I think they'll get better as the year develops. You know, we'll see. I do agree with one thing on them, though. One of their big concerns is that not necessarily the players and how they'll play this year is that you would thought by now that they'd have far more steam on the recruiting end, considering how great a recruiter KP is, how great Nolan Smith is. And yeah, more than likely you're going to miss on Dewan Wagner Jr., but you haven't really brought anybody in either like we expected. I, I think all of us, including you as a diehard Louisville fan, thought, okay, by now you would have got maybe a couple four-star kids, maybe a, a top 50 five-star. Well, although five-star is not top 50, but you know what I mean, like top 25 five-star kid. Um, but there's really been not a lot of whole min- momentum. And I do think that is a little concerning considering how great of recruiters they are. I can see you guys' point of view on that, but like not everybody can be a John Campari with his first class with Kentucky. He brings on a shit ton of five stars, brings in a guy like John Wall to Marcus Cousins, completely changes the program. The thing is, we haven't even started the season yet. He still has a whole season left to recruit and get a guy like AJ Johnson to still be in the running to get DJ Wagner in. Um, even though I'm not too comfortable, he's coming to Louisville now. Uh, you still can't count him out because he's done something that no other team has done. And that's really made Kentucky nervous and really uh, made Cal get after DJ Wagner a lot more than he has done in the past years. Um, but as far as recruiting wise, especially coming into this year, I thought we could have got I thought we could have got a guy like Tyrese Hunter, who ultimately went from Texas, former Iowa State guard, um, big time player, averaged about ten a, a game, ten and five a game last year for Iowa State. It was a big kick factor in Iowa State's um, early success in the regular season last year. Um, I thought we could have got got a guy like uh, Kendrick Davis who went to Memphis. That kid's phenomenal. He's a top 10 player in my eyes. Um, I think behind Marcus Sasser, he's the second best guard in the country. Um, if I thought we could have maybe snagged a guy like that, but ultimately we didn't. We got to play the hands that were dealt. And ultimately it's going to lead to us not having a solid backcourt outside of L. Ellis, really. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I'm not. I'm not one of these people that's concerned about – KP and them, they're going to get recruits. I just think that with the momentum coming in, that it, you had thought by now that at least one big name would be on the board by now. I think that's fair. I, I don't think that's like anything necessarily concerning either, but I do think it is fair to kind of wonder like, oh, okay, maybe they're not coming in as hot as we all thought. But 
I I have faith in KP. I know he's a great recruiter. I know what Nolan Smith can do. So I, I think you by season, I think by midway, you're going to start seeing some Louisville guys get signed up for next year. Oh, and, and, and I do think that even as a Louisville fan yourself, I, I do think we all expect this year being the first year, not a great bunch of talent, some good guys, more front court players. But I do think we all kind of looked at this year as like a building, like a building block year. Do the best you can, try to have a winning record, make some noise, and then get ready for next year where you can hopefully take that next big jump, get back in the tournament, top of the ACC kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, if we can somehow sneak in the tournament, then that's a success to me. It doesn't matter what our record is. I don't care if we're 15 or 15. Um, as long as we can try our best to try to sneak into that tournament, maybe, then that's a successful season in my eyes. But even if we don't, I mean – We've already got a guy. We got George Washington the third, or not George Washington the third. Um, yeah, it is. Well, no, hold on. We got he's not signed yet. He's committing November first. Uh, well, we got, you uh, think it's going to be? I think he's coming, but he's not set in stone yet. We got Curtis Williams Jr. That's who I was thinking of. Um, he's already signed, but he's already committed to Louisville. We got Caleb Green coming in next year for Louisville. So we got two pair of four stars, and if George Washington commits November first to Louisville, like I think he will, that'd be three four stars. We're still. To, uh, Travis Brainham always said that he thinks uh, A.J. Johnson's coming to Louisville. He thinks it's between Louisville and Texas right now. And A.J. Johnson's still yet to come on for his official visit. He was supposed to go to a Louisville live event, but some sickness happened in his family, so he's decided to reschedule for another day, get that hopefully rescheduled. And, uh, you know, it might be a little bit better because now he gets to feel uh, a big game Louisville or a, a big game in Louisville, feel the atmosphere down there in Louisville. So, Hopefully, you can reschedule for a visit coming soon. But, I mean, we're going to get the top guys. We're in the running for Elliot Cadeau next year. I mean, under Chris Mack, we would never be in these type of situations. So, I'm already impressed with what KP and the coaching staff has done on the recruiting show so far. Just give this man some time because once he starts backing them up, everybody's going to shut the fuck up. Well, and I think that's fair. Um, real quick, last little bit on Louisville before we transition away. They've got their first exhibition game coming up here in a couple hours. Um, just what do you want to see? Obviously, you should win the game. It's not necessarily about the wins or losses, being exhibition, as we've alluded to. But what do you just want to see out of this game? That'll make I you feel good. I hope we can hit some shots. That's I mean, that's a big key. Uh, I'm curious to see what KP's going to do offensively. He said in his initial press conference when he got hired to take the lower job that he wants to play fast. He wants to shoot a lot of threes, but not live and die by the three. Um, if we can hit some shots, shoot about, like we said with Indiana, shoot about 35% from three. It's a lot better than what we did last year. And obviously defend. I mean, we got guys who can defend. Um, Kamali Lance, I think he's going to have a big year this year. Um, I think he's going to be a double-digit scorer, um, whether he helps us um, – Whether he helps us get to the tournament or not, we'll see. I'm not too sure about that, but I think he's going to have a good year. Uh, I just want to see a lot of energy. Uh, Defense be good, but I'm just really curious at how we're going to look offensively because the last couple of years offensively for Louisville has not been great for us. We struggled to score the ball, and it showed last year. So that's what I'm looking for in game one in this exhibition game. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Last little bit of Louisville news before we do transition away. Peyton, I've got this queued up. Hopefully it plays. One of my favorite coaches in college basketball just so happens to be the Louisville women's coach, Jeff Walls. And he had a great quote um, at a press conference earlier in the week. They were asking him about, you know, not necessarily getting over the hump winning a, a national title. And he had one of the best responses I've ever heard. 
see if this will play and take a listen. Uh, it's not playing anything. Oh, is it not? Let me see if I can pull it on my phone real quick. Oh, my bad. It was playing on my end. I apologize about that, guys. Peyton, see if you can pull that up real quick. Um, I love Jeff Wells though, while you're waiting to pull that up. I mean, I think he's tremendous. We know how great of a head coach he is. And I do think if he continues to stay the course, Louisville women's will win a national title one day. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, just get, we went to a shit ton of Final Fours. A third Final Four um, was last year. Um, he's done a phenomenal job. And uh, he, we're going to win a national title eventually. It, it, it might be this year, to be honest. You know, there's a lot of good teams. South Carolina is obviously going to be talented again. Uh, Connecticut, even though Paige Becker is once again injured. Hopefully she can recover because she's a superstar. Um, Caitlin Clark in Iowa. Love Stanford. Yeah, Caitlin Clark's probably one of the best players in the country. Um, Stanford's going to be really good again. NC State's not going to be as good because they lost uh, three seniors last year. So Here, uh, I've got it pulled up, Peyton. Let's yeah, see go if we ahead. Can... We get it often, and I understand. Can you hear that now? Uh, yeah. When are you going to get over the hump? You know, I'm like, just come out and ask a question. When, when are you going to win a, na- a national championship? Because that, that's the only hump that there is. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with that question. I, I think it's great that, that that's even a question because it's, you know, it, it's not long ago here. That was not even a thought, but it is, so, so, uh, it is something that we strive for. It's something that, that we're practicing for and working for every single day. And it just has, hasn't happened yet, but it's not something I'm going to, apologize for and say hey sorry that we've only gone to four final fours sorry you know we've gone to however many lead eights I, I think it's seven now elite eights and i'm really sorry about that no i mean do we want to win the damn thing of course we do i promise you we work hard every single day we're busting our butt recruiting everything we can do to hopefully cut down those nets granted do we want to win it of course we do but i'm not going to apologize i'm not going to sit here and say hey i'm sorry we haven't because believe me, we want to. And I can tell you, every player that's played in any of those games, the semifinal game, the championship games, they wanted to win too. There's not one of them that stepped out on that court going, hey, let's see if we can piss everybody off and lose today. <laughs> I mean, I think it'd be a great idea. Like we sat in the locker room before that semifinal game. It was like, hey, if we win, everybody's going to be excited. How about we lose and piss everybody off? You know, and I got outvoted. I voted to win. But they said, no, this is more exciting. <laughs> like, I promise you this shit doesn't happen. Okay? So our goal is to win this damn thing, and we're going to keep plugging along until we do. And you know what? When the day comes that I retire, if we haven't, well, damn it, we haven't. I mean, that's great. How do you – I don't give a shit if you're a Kentucky fan, whoever. Not only because he's a great coach, but it's because how raw and real he is like that. And I think that was the best answer possible. Credit to uh, Kent Spencer, who covers Louisville basketball and uh, University of Kentucky, all things for the, I think he's what, with the Louisville Courier Journal or WHAS, the news network out of Louisville. Uh, Credit to him. That was his video. So I want to give credit to him. But Jeff Waltz, I mean, that's a great answer. And I love it. It's like a bit of humor, but you can sense some kind of frustration, but he's real with it. He's like, I mean, you don't think we're not trying? He said, I, you know, you heard him. He said, you know, we were in the locker room of the final four. He said, I got outvoted. He said, I wanted to win this damn thing. And the, all the players voted against me and said, you know what? Yeah, it would be cool to win, but 
damn, it'd be a lot of fun to piss people off. I mean, it, that's great. I, I love Jeff Walls. I think he's tremendous in any, whether men's or women's basketball. I think he's one of the best there is. Yeah, and like people just need to relax. Like, how long did it take Pat Summit when she took over Tennessee to win her first national title? She took over the program in 1974. She didn't go to the Final Four uh, until 1982. And she didn't win the, her first national championship since 1987. So it took her 13 years to win her first national title. And she's one of the greatest college basketball women's coaches. In uh, my eye, she's the best. Take, uh, her take and Gino. Take women out. Just greatest coaches. Yeah. Period. Yeah, she's one of the she's a, she's one of the few to have over a thousand wins in college basketball. Um, it's incredible. And she, it took her 13 years to win her first title. Incredible. Uh, but this year's Louisville's team, you know, Haley Van Lift's coming back for another year. Like she's going to be a superstar. Obviously, we know that. Uh, Kristen Carr, she's transferring in from Syracuse. She's a grad student. She's a grad transfer. She had seven 20-point games, including back-to-back 20-point performances to end the season last year. She shot over 37% from three. Um, she paired and she started in all 29 games last year at point guard too. Second on the team in scoring with 14 a game. So she's going to play a big factor. She's going to really help this team, especially the guard play. Um, uh, this little team has a chance. Like we're probably going to get to another final four. We're going to be a one seed for probably like the fifth straight time. Uh, one of the few teams to do so, by the way, um, what Jeff Wallace has done, he's completely turned this program around and he's going to win a national championship eventually. Whether it's this year, next year, the next five years, next ten years, he's going to get it done. I promise yeah. you that. Yeah, he's gonna. It's kind of like Beheim. He he was so close so many times, making Final Fours, making national title games in '87, um, and then he finally broke it down and got one. I, I do think he's going to get one, and I love it. not only the coaching ability because he's tremendous and X's and O's, but just like what you just heard, um, he's down to earth, real. Um, yeah, it's hard not to root for Jeff Walls, to, no matter where he's at. So I thought that was a great quote. Um, and again, credit to Kent Spencer for that was his video. So we appreciate that. Um, on the Kentucky women, just real briefly, I hope, you know, losing a girl like Ryan Howard, losing a woman like Ryan Howard, um, it's going to be a tough void to fill. They've got some transfers in. Um, I cannot remember her name right now. The one from Oregon. Um I, well, it'd be interesting. I think Kentucky could be a tournament team again, but I don't see much after that. But if the guard play shows up, I think they could make some noise. They're playing in a tough conference. LSU, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, a lot of really – Florida, a lot of – Tennessee, a lot of really good women's programs in the SEC. So I, hopefully Kentucky can get back to the tournament and just see what happens after that. But love having the women's conversation. Peyton, before we start to wind things down today, be remiss not to give a shout out to our friends over at Everything Pro Wrestling. Conrad's been a, a great friend to us for years now. Um, our, our sister side, as we like to say, Pro Wrestling, we mentioned on last episode, Pro Wrestling's hot right now. A lot of fun stuff going on. And I want you guys to listen to our friend Conrad right here. Everything college basketball listeners, what's going on? It's Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And I'm here to let you know how you guys can catch up on all the latest and greatest in the world of pro wrestling. You guys can go to YouTube.com, type in Everything Pro Wrestling, give us a subscribe. We are over a 1,000 subscribers now, and we have achieved a YouTube partnership 
If you guys want to be in the live chats, come on in, join us and talk pro wrestling. We record AEW Dynamite every Wednesday. We also talk about WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and your local indies, and much, much more. So make sure you guys are subscribed to everything pro wrestling. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. All the live streams are transferred right onto there. But enough of me talking about pro wrestling. Let's get you back to listening to everything college basketball. I mean, again, pro wrestling's hot right now. It's a lot of fun, especially the WWE side. One of the greatest segments I've ever seen last Friday, this last Friday night with the Bloodline. If you are a Laps fan or you're a diehard like we are, or just kind of want to check it out. Don't go anywhere else besides hit up our boy Conrad and Everything Pro Wrestling. They got a Facebook group like we do. Just go to the search bar, type in Everything Pro Wrestling. You'll find it. They've got a page you can go like. And as you heard Conrad mention, go to the YouTube. They do tremendous live videos every night after the shows, pretty much directly as soon as they end. He's on there recapping. He's doing previews. Go give Conrad and everything pro wrestling a shout. Tell me CB sent you. I promise he'll he'll enjoy it. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, EPW has been with us since day one uh, with sister sites. So you know, they gave us our name. Conrad gave us our name. Um, and he's been on the show a couple times before. We love having uh, Conrad on. And you know, maybe we can get him back on this year. Maybe talk some North Carolina basketball because he is a North Carolina fan. Um, so and North Carolina is going to be. F- Really fucking good this year, obviously. So, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, go check out EPW. And, you know, you know maybe one day, maybe I'm going to tra- travel up to Buffalo, uh, <laughs> watch the package, whoop fucking the Bills' asses t- today, hopefully. Tonight. Um, <laughs> tonight. And, you know, maybe Oos can ha- go have some Waffle House. Oosie. You're not feeling very <laughs> Oosie, Peyton. Oh, my God. That's so that, was, that was such a great segment. Um, Peyton, starting to wrap things up today. Um, again, only eight days away from the official start of college basketball. Kentucky plays their first exhibition game tonight. I would expect no Oscar Shebley tonight to let him heal. Um, exhibition games around the country this week as we start to wrap up. Peyton, I do want to throw something at you, and it got me thinking about it last night. We like to stay positive here, but we're going to have a little bit of a negative tone here in a way. I want to ask you, the top five, worst, most annoying fan bases. And the reason I bring this up, because Tennessee whooped our ass in football last night. Fine, fair enough. But man, they are so annoying. They will vanity search everything just to see Tennessee in it, and they will go talk massive shit, and it gets personal. They'll tell people some shit you should never tell people as far as about appearances and looks and worse than that stuff. I will not go into just use your imagination. Um, and they are super annoying saying shit like, Oh, Tennessee owns Kentucky and basketball and blah, blah, blah. And then they're, they awarded their, uh, you know, the sec tournament champions last night, the basketball players, you know, taunted the Kentucky fans in attendance at Neyland stadium. So it got me thinking, Top five at this current moment, because I know it'll fluctuate, most annoying fan bases in college sports. And you know who my number one is. You want to know who my number one is? Hit me with it. (laughs) (laughs) We're scoring. We're scoring. 
Oh my God. So Indiana oh, tops your damn. list of most annoying. Yeah. Indiana number one. I'm sorry. You haven't won a national title since 1987. Go get a VHS player. Maybe you can watch it. Fucking they, uh, there's some Indiana fans actually like, you know, Johnny Shaw being one of them, Coy being the other. Um, you know, Colton Hunnishan, one of my best friends growing up, he's an Indiana fan. Uh, I can't take them all, you know, like uh, they're just so annoying. They get on my nerves. They think they're, you know, good every year and they're not. So they're number one. Uh, I'm sorry, Josh, if you want to, if you want my brother, then I probably want to talk to you. I'm being dead honest. I fucking <laughs> Kentucky fans are number two. And I mean, they got, they, every fucking year, doesn't matter if you have, it doesn't matter what you have. You can have a team four or three stars coming in. These motherfuckers think they're going to go to the final four. Like, it, it's it's ridiculous. And I get that's the expectations when you go to Kentucky. But, my God, you can't go to the final four every damn year. You know, you lost mm-hmm. St. Peter's last year. I'm surprised Josh hasn't canceled his Peacock subscription. Fucking terrified. So, yeah, funny. Kentucky's number two. Uh, three, probably Duke. Um, yeah. their fan bases are annoying, especially with Coach K. I think it could be a little bit better this year since Coach K ain't fucking there. It's um, Shire time, baby. It's Shire. It's a Shire, baby. Um, but you know, they think. Coach Do you think K's he helped God. Coach K pack? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> he, he probably had it packed before. He hey, might travel early as soon as they lost the final four. There's there's uh, only packed. two people, and we're both in here now. That's going to get that reference, the inside joke. But yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Duke number three, four. Um, man, yeah, that's tough. I mean, our top three is pretty set in stone. You know, to come up with four and five. I mean, Tennessee's definitely up there. You know, Tennessee's definitely up there. Um, Purdue's up there, I think. I mean, there's a lot of them, man. So mine's going to be kind of what you'd expect, but not really. Tennessee's number one. Like yeah. they are the most annoying and and no disrespect to our Tennessee fans out there. I'm not necessarily talking to you personally. I'm just talking as a whole. Um, Tennessee's number one hey, football. Great. You're finally having a good year again after 20 some years in exile. Congratulations. No doubt that they're probably the best team in college football right now. Basketball, tremendous success. Yeah. You, you beat Kentucky on average at least once a year, the last what eight, 10 years. Congratulations. But you never do anything else. You've got like a, a couple Sweet 16s, one Elite Eight. You've never sniffed the Final Four. You had never won a banner. So your biggest accomplishment is saying, yeah, we beat Kentucky. And you're still getting your ass kicked in the all-time head-to-head. So I don't know why you're popping off. You got an ugly-ass shade of orange. Your fans are ruthless. You, you get mad at a call, whether in football or basketball, you want to throw mustard bottles and golf balls and batteries. And Tennessee's the worst. I'm sorry. It's the worst. Tennessee's number one. Number two would be Indiana. Uh, again, like you said, not everybody. Certain section of the fan base just makes it unbearable. Um, Louisville would be three for me. Or no, I'm sorry. Duke would be three for me. Just because they act holier than now, like they've never done anything wrong. Give me a break. Um, Louisville would be four. And then five, I've been debating on this. And I think it's a tie between Michigan State and UConn. And you're going to say Michigan State and UConn. But if you look at Twitter, which is what a lot of this is based on, Michigan State just loves talking shit. They like thinking that they're so much better 
But, yeah, they can make Final Fours, which is tremendous accomplishment. Never want to put down play a Final Four. But they've only won one title of, like, the 15 Final Fours they've been to. And they love just thinking that they're, well, we do things the right way, and we do the um, annoying. And then UConn. Yeah, they've won four national titles in the last 23 years. That's tremendous. But they've got like that Northeast deal where they like talking down to people and they think that they're still like this crazy elite program and they're awful. Not, not I'm not necessarily talking about the product on the floor. I'm just talking about the fan base. They think that, oh, well, we deserve to be right there with everybody else. And no, you don't. You're not. I'd have to go look it up. I don't even think you're top 15 all time in wins. And you forgot until Calhoun got there in the mid to late 80s. You sucked. You were the doormat. So Michigan State UConn will share number five for me. A team that's starting to slowly creep up my list is actually Gonzaga. Oh yeah. yeah. I haven't met I haven't met a lot of Gonzaga fans, but a lot of them I have met used to be IU fans or still all IU fans, and they've pretty much converted to a Gonzaga fan. Pretty much a bandwagoner. Um but they think that they honest I'm sure they honestly think they're fucking the blue blood. For as much as they've won in the last decade, they probably think they're blue blood status and they're fucking not. I don't care how many great teams you've had, I don't care if you go to a final four almost every single year. I don't care what you do. Have a top five preseason team. I don't care what you do. You're not a blue blood until you until you at least win a national title. In my eyes, at least a couple. Michigan State has what two titles? Damn, two titles. They're not blue blood status. They're close. They're, they're, they're new close. blood. They're, they're new, new blood, blood new but they're blood. not blue blood. Villanova has two titles, three titles, right? Uh, Three, yes. Yeah, three titles. Three. They're not blue blood status. Not yet. I think they're very close. They're probably closest as anyone being blue blood status in my eyes. No, I would agree with that. But Gonzaga, you've won a lot in the last decade. And don't get me wrong, you have great, you've had great teams. You've been to two national championship appearances in the last five some years, and you got beat both times. Um, Drew Timmy, you probably plays fucking the ground that he walks on, he's fucking annoying. Um, so Gonzaga fans are starting to creep up in my legs. I haven't met a lot of them, and I'm glad. I'm glad I don't live on the West Coast because you ain't a blue blood. You ain't a blue blood till you at least win a couple national titles. Um, and you're going to find out what blue blood status really means when you tip off against Kentucky this year. And, and I want to give a couple honorable mentions. Purdue fans. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of Purdue fans I know personally that I like but there's a lot of them that just love all – they don't have – they've got a Final Four back in 1980, and that was it. And they love dogging on IU for the dumbest shit. Yeah, we got the head-to-head. We've won more Big Ten, blah, 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 blah. But you don't do shit in the tournament. You haven't done shit in the tournament, like I said, in 42 years when you last went to a Final Four. You have no NCAA titles. Your biggest accomplish – I mean, at nine – IU games, your student section loves to chant, IU sucks. You're obsessed with IU. And it's annoying, and you like talking shit about other teams when you have no footing to stand on. So Purdue's an honorable mention, and Auburn has gotten that way. Last year, we knew how great Auburn was, but man, they could not stop running their mouth about Kentucky. They couldn't. They're like, ah, oh, well, we blah, blah, blah. We're, we're the new school. We're the new class of the SEC. We're better. We're, buddy, the SEC forever and always until another team for the next 20 years. If they can start winning SEC titles and NCAA titles, 
forever and always, Kentucky is going to be the FCC. And you're not going to replace us. Maybe for a year, maybe for two years. But you're not going to replace us. So you can be excited. There's ways of talking shit. Like if I was an Auburn fan, yeah, you were better than us last year. You beat us head to head. Talk about that specific game in that season. Don't start making bold statements like, oh, we run the FCC now. And, oh, well, well, we're replacing Kentucky. That's ignorance. Pure ignorance. That's why you get jumped onto my list of fan bases I can't stand. It's funny you start talking about Purdue and that damn train was going by my house. So that's kind of funny. But I know. Yeah, you're talking about Purdue, though. Uh, it's the same thing with IU fans, why they're number one for me. Purdue is definitely obsessed with IU, and I think IU is obsessed with Purdue. They will constantly tell Purdue fans that, how many national titles you got? How many national titles you got? Well, in the past 20 years, Purdue and Indiana fan has a, Purdue and Indiana has like the same exact amount of titles, and that's zero. So, and, and Purdue's beaten them like the last, besides last year in that first game by Assembly Hall, they beaten them, what, in the last six tries or some shit like that? No, no, it was a bit longer than that. It was, what, like, uh, they beat them, like, 17 the last 18 or something? Yeah, it was like, Purdue has became what Indiana used to be. You know, the state of Indiana used to be just dominated by the Hoosiers. And now it's it's pretty much transitioning to um, the Boilermakers now. You know, Purdue's pretty much dominated them the last – Multiple times they fucking faced them. They've had more tournament success. Um, they've had more Big Ten titles. Uh, they have more wins. Um, I think this year is going to be a lot different. And, uh, you know, talking about Indiana Purdue, you know, we mentioned it on yep, the live good transition, video. Baby. Good transition, baby. Good transition. We mentioned it on the live video, but we got credentialed our first time ever uh, going to three big-time Purdue games in Mackey Arena. Yep. On November 15th, uh, Purdue tips off against Marquette. Uh, February 25th, we're going to see the third best rivalry in the country. Yep. Behind North Carolina and Duke and behind Louisville Kentucky. We're going to see Indiana come to Mackey Arena and face off against the Boilermakers February 25th. In a late season game, too, that could be a Big Ten Big decider Ten. for yeah. Indiana, at least. Oh, Yeah. And it's not just Indiana, too, that could decide who's going to win the Big Ten. Because the last game of the regular season, March 5th, we're going to see Purdue taking on Phil's boys, Illinois. And that's going to be – that's going to determine the Big Ten right there. It's crazy. We get to go see those three massive – probably the three biggest home games of Purdue's calendar year um, right now. And the two last ones that you mentioned, the Indiana-Illinois game, basically a week apart, both Indiana-Illinois top two, we've mentioned it, top the Big Ten in the preseason rankings for us. And Purdue could play spoiler to both of them, ruin maybe their chances for a Big Ten regular season crown. I'm so blessed that we get to go do this. Um, We got to shout out Purdue Athletic Department. We got to shout out ourselves for the work we've put in, the people behind us. We got to shout out Will and House College Hoops for giving us that boost and that extra bit of um, legitness, or I don't even know the word, right? credibility, I guess. Um, so I told you, you're five, man. We're going to be in attendance for us three big Purdue games. We have other games we're working on. Um, uh, it's not official official yet, but it is. Uh, Butler gave us the okay that we will, should be able to be there January 17th for the big Butler-Creighton game. Cannot wait to see Creighton. Um, they just told us to kind of remind them closer to the time that they should accommodate us, so keep an eye on that. We are working on another big rivalry, Phil 
is going to dominate the East Coast. He's got credentialed for five, five Duke home games. Um, he got credentialed for the Myrtle Beach Invitational right before Thanksgiving. Um, and there's more to come. I know Phil's going to get credentialed for more. I know we're going to get credentialed for more around the region. I mean, ECB is going to bring you the best in live coverage from the stadiums, live and in living color, and I can't wait. ECB ain't here to take part. We're here to take over, baby. Let's go. Year five, everything college basketball. Get your magazine out. Let's go. As I mentioned, ECB all the way up. Ladies and gentlemen, we're eight days away from the start of the official start of college basketball. Exhibition games have been started to kick off. We had the, the secret scrimmages. We got exhibition games tonight, all through the week. When we come to you next week for big episode 120, Phil will be back with us. We'll have the full crew here, and we will finally, finally get to preview live college hoops action. All the breakdowns you can want, the key stats to watch, the key matchups for all the big games in week one of college basketball. Cannot believe it's finally here. It's felt like a long offseason with all the things going on next week we get a breakdown and preview live college basketball. And I cannot freaking wait. Yes, sir. Let's do it, baby. As Peyton mentioned, the magazine's still available now. Um, you can go purchase it at our Etsy shop. Look up EC, it was ECB shop 10. Yep. Go to Etsy.com slash shop slash ECB shop 10. As soon as you put your $10 down and it's well worth it, by the way, as soon as you put your $10 down, Peyton receives a notification. He will email you the magazine, download it to your phone or your laptop or a desktop computer, whatever you want to look at it on and have it saved because that is your one-stop shop for all things college basketball to get you set and ready to go for year five of everything college basketball and the start of the 2022-23 every, or college basketball season. I promise you it's well worth purchase. We appreciate all of you guys who have purchase it or plan on purchasing it seriously from the bottom of our heart we thank you um shout out to everybody who makes this possible again grateful to be in business with uh, house college hoops will tondo and company catch it we'll start writing articles for them you'll catch those we'll drop on the facebook group if you're not a part of the facebook group go to uh, facebook.com slash group slash everything college basketball follow us on twitter at ecb podcast 10 Go give our friends at House College Hoops a follow as well. Our buddies, Road to the Garden, uh, all on Twitter. You can go search them and find them. Again, shout out to our entire crew. Um, our family, Peyton, my old lady, Amanda, um, Phil, his old lady, Lauren, Johnny Stroud, Corey, everybody, man. Blessed to be in this position. We're continuing to grind towards the top, and we can't thank you guys enough. But wrapping up episode 119 of the ECB podcast for Peyton, for Phil, who's not here today, and everybody else around. We appreciate you guys watching or listening, and we will catch you next week for big episode 120, where we preview actual college basketball. And I can't wait. <laughs> Hope yeah, you guys man. enjoy. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope you enjoy the magazine. We will catch you next week with live previews. Until then. Have a good rest of your Sunday evening. Go Pat, go Forza Milan, and we will see you down the road.